Hi, I'm George A. Milton, America's Failure Coach. Welcome to the Failure is Not the Problem podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that failure is a problem for most people. Why is that? In a single word, conditioning. Conditioning is simply training. You have been taught that failure has to be negative. I am here as your personal coach to help you relearn how to accept your failures and turn those experiences into positive mindset, change, and success. Look, motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is balance, not success alone. You have to develop a healthy balance between success and failure. It does not have to be one or the other. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive and that's when you will finally live a whole life. You'll be much happier. I will help you recondition your mindset by exchanging ideas and strategies to guide you in making transformation so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single episode which you can utilize to create change in your life. Failure is about learning how to embrace your challenges and taking 100% responsibility for your life. Do you want to elevate your perspective with failure so you can change your mindset to accept failure as positive experiences rather than negative expectations when you fail? It's not the end, but the ultimate beginning. At my company, failure is not the problem. Our philosophy is this. Failure fuels innovation, resilience, and growth. Learn how to embrace your setbacks as stepping stones to success. Learn, adapt, and triumph with the wisdom of failure by your side. Join us in rewriting the story of success where failure is the launch pad for greatness. So how can we make failure okay to talk about while making it fun and failure-tastic? Well, you need to learn how to laugh, you know, when you fail. I mean, come on. You need to learn how to learn when you fail. Don't always take your failures so seriously. Allow your failures to educate you on your next step of your journey. Most of us know what fun is, but what are failure-tastic moments? Well, I created that word and had it trademarked. A failure-tastic moment is when you have tried to accomplish a goal or to become successful while pursuing an endeavor, but you faced failure after failure after failure. Like when Steve Jobs, man, I mean, at the age of 30, right, his life was flipped upside down and needed to move on from the only business he'd ever known. Jobs was forced to resign when CEO John Scully felt Apple needed to reorganize and shift gears. He didn't see Jobs in the tech company's future anymore. So he was gone. It would take nearly 12 years before Steve Jobs came back to the company that he started. Shortly after returning in 1997, Jobs took Apple into the stratosphere and completely revolutionized personal computers. He handheld devices, man, that he created. And the way we consume information, guess who was at the pinnacle of that? We know Steve Jobs today as one of the titans of tech, a giant of Silicon Valley and legend of business. Fantastic, right? No. That's what a failure-tastic moment is. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, George A. Milton, America's Failure Coach. Today, I want to introduce you to an amazing individual who is changing the planet within his chosen profession. We have the honor of hosting Mark Graben. Mark is an internationally recognized consultant, published author, professional speaker, blogger, podcaster, and entrepreneur. 
He builds upon a deep education in engineering and management with practical experience working with executives, frontline employees in multiple industries. He synthesizes and practices approaches, including lean management, something in which the Army is all about, continuous improvement and statistical methods, and people-centered leadership to cultivate psychological safety and employee engagement. Mark, wow. Good to be with you today, Mark. How you doing, sir? I am doing well. It's great to be here with you, George. I love your show and everything you're doing here. Oh, Mark, look here. You know what? Back at you, man. I mean, I think we're two of the, I, tell you, I don't know if we're the only people on the planet that's doing these kinds of things and looking at, you know, mistakes and failures, but I tell you what, there's not many of us and I'm okay with that. So we're going to, you know, trying to change the paradigm. So I, I you know, I've listened to uh, your podcast and some of the amazing folks you've had on. So I really, really am impressed with um, uh, some of the things you've done and some of the things you are doing when it comes to helping folks realize that, you know what, when you make mistakes and when you fail at stuff, man, that's only the beginning. That's definitely not the end. So thank you so much and, and back at you twice over. Sure. Thank you. That's why I mean I was thrilled to discover your podcast. I'm not just saying like it's not a flippant like oh I love your show. Like I've really really enjoyed the conversations you're having. So I'm really thrilled to be part of it. That's kind. I, I you know what I, that I, you know that's really kind. I, I really I'm, I'm humbled by that, Mark. I tell you you know throughout my life I had tons and tons of failure, and uh, had I had uh, someone such as yourself out there you know talk about the kinds of things that you and I are passionate about, man. Uh, things might have turned out a lot better sooner. But you know what? It's all about timing, and I'm glad that um, uh, we are where we are right now. Hey, look, why don't you tell the audience a bit about yourself and your background and uh, what you do to impact the planet, sir? Um, so my background originally, um, education-wise, uh, industrial engineer, undergraduate, started my career in manufacturing, um, 1995, and started General Motors. And that was a lesson in failures. <laughs> People there took the failures very seriously. I, in my experience, they just didn't know what to do about them. Like yelling and screaming at people doesn't help. But, you know, we got a new plant manager for my second year working at that facility who had been trained by Toyota. And I learned, boy, the lead, leader, the tone, the actions, the behavior of a top leader makes such a difference. So that was a, a great education in, in a lot of ways. I had a chance to go to graduate school. So I studied mechanical engineering uh, and an MBA together at a program at MIT called Leaders for Global Operations. At the time, it was called Leaders for Manufacturing. You could hear where it sounded like my focus was going to be. And I was in manufacturing for about 10 years, um, different different companies. And then 2005, I had an opportunity, kind of a chance opportunity that I was able to take advantage of to start doing this type of work in healthcare as a consultant, bringing ideas about process improvement and leadership and quality improvement and safety improvement into healthcare. So that's been a lot of my focus for the last 18 years. I've written three books and uh, of my own. I've collaborated with people on on three other books I've, I've been podcasting and blogging and 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 you know that that helps me learn in a lot of ways right so I, I and I appreciate the networking and the opportunities both being um, a podcast host and as a guest you know with, with you George and I'm excited that we're gonna turn the tables and have you as a guest on my favorite mistake but anyway sorry I'm not trying to tell you my whole professional life story but um you know I've worked in different industries and also working with a software company called Kinexus and I think it's just interesting like when I hear you talking you know to uh, a general and um it, it's just it's interesting to hear about different domains and how you know it's people being people. Um, effective leadership makes such a huge difference in helping people learn from mistakes and failures. 
No, you know what? I, I love the way you actually uh, you, you said that. Specifically, it reminded me, of, uh, you know, part of the conversation with uh, Drew Martin that you were referred to a moment ago. He, you know, started off talking about a lot of his accolades, and I just wanted to uh, support him, uh, you know, you know, in what I said uh, and what I'm about to say now when it comes to you. Look, you know, it's not about bragging. You know, you are an authority in this field, and I think it's important for people to really understand who those authority people are out here today. We, You know, we have a lot of folks failing our people, and uh, oftentimes, Mark, because they'll go out with very little experience at all, and, you know, now they've become the authority. So I think it's incredibly important for not only Ron Martin, because he's a, an authority in his field, but you are as well, and the background that you just gave us a moment ago uh, denotes that. So, uh, no, I, I want folks to understand and to hear what your background is. That's why, uh, you know, I actually, you know, introduced that as part of the conversation because that's it's incredibly important to not only talk about speaking with authority right but to also have that in your background so people know that you are well versed not only intellectually but practically so no sir i i am uh, more than willing to, to listen to that so i'm glad you you passed that on but you know speaking of which tons and tons and tons of of experiences here in your background so i am absolutely interested in knowing how failure has contributed to all of that success there had to be failures along the way right Oh, of course. There were um, many, many mistakes. I, I, mean, I make mistakes all the time. I don't think I am more mistake prone <laughs> than the average person. I think I am maybe more, I try to be more mindful of the mistakes that I make and to call them out, like to try to be constructive about it. You know, I, th I think one of the keys is admitting and learning from small mistakes so that we can prevent giant catastrophic failures. I mean, I think I'm I'm fortunate where I am. Look, I've made mistakes. I've had struggles. I, I haven't had anything that would be like a huge failure of, you know, a, a company going out of business or getting fired for something. But I think even learning from smaller mistakes in different ways is in, in a way a failure prevention strategy. And, and again, I'm not saying we should shy away from failure. If we're being entrepreneurial, if we're doing new things, we're starting a podcast, writing a book, there's, there's risk of failure. And I, and I think we have to be in a way, okay with that, um, you know, and, and, and realize like, when are we experimenting where mistakes and failures are just part of that? And then there's, you know, there's other areas where, you know, you wouldn't want to make a mistake that would really harm somebody else. You know, so there's there's kind of, you know, there's different types of mistakes, different types of failures. But, um, you know, I think any failure of any size uh, is, is a learning opportunity. And hopefully we have leaders that we're working for or others who support us in, in that learning journey. And, that, and like, as, as, as you said, I mean, like, you know, there, it, it's or I'll paraphrase someone else who said something very similar to what I've heard you say, George, you know, that the mistake you know, the failure is not the problem. It's the way we react to it. That can be the problem. I believe that very strongly, which, you know, one, one reason, you know, your show and what you're doing has resonated so strongly with me. So I, I, I don't know, you know. I don't have a great signature failure story or a bounce back, like nothing like the Steve Jobs comeback story. <laughs> That you were talking about that was a huge failure but he bounced back yeah yeah i mean and and i'm glad you brought that point up uh there was a couple of things i wanted to talk about but specifically i'll start right there with the steve jobs piece where it was huge but i want the listening audience to, to realize that whether it's uh as you you know talked about a little bit ago whether it's small or large or uh failures you know failures are failures oftentimes we try to measure those right sort of like sin you know uh, there's you know we categorize it all I want folks to understand that, you know, it's not really about categorizing failure. It's really about understanding that failure is failure, as you uh, so eloquently mentioned, whether it's something large or small or, or if it's something, 
I mean, it's as minor as uh, not getting up in the morning when you're supposed to, when you know you're supposed to, to go ahead and get. I mean, some people might say that's that's small. In my world that I grew up in, in the military, Mark, if you miss a formation, that's a huge deal. So I know it's just waking up. So, so you know, perspective and environment and those kinds of things are important. But I don't want folks to get too overly concerned about, as you said a moment ago, you know, worrying about whether it's a big failure such as Steve Jobs has had or some of the, the minor ones that you and I have actually experienced. You know, it's, it's not about the failure. It's about how you respond to that failure. Right. And that's why I came up with the, uh, the, the you know, the formula F plus RR equals S, failure plus right response equals success. And, and I love that sort of thing. And, and in fact, you said something that uh, jogged a, a thought here you know, from the standpoint of failing. At some of the companies that you actually work for, do they make it okay for you to fail? See, the military makes it okay for us to fail because the military wants us to get better. In fact, the military puts us in situations where, man, let me tell you, you're going to fail no matter what because they want to see what those responses actually are. But have you ever had any situations where organizations you work for made it okay and all right to fail? Generally speaking, at the larger manufacturing companies, I would say no. I think the software company, the technology company, Kinexus, that I've worked with in, in different ways going back to um, 2011, that is absolutely a culture where uh, it's it's safe for people to try new things and to struggle or, or to make mistakes or to fail and, and that we celebrate the learning, you know, um, and, and I think one of the key factors is having a culture where people feel safe to admit a mistake that they made so that we can celebrate the learning and not to shame them or not to ridicule them. And this happens a lot in, you know, kind of a weekly company uh, Zoom call that happens on Friday. Someone will say, like one, one example was a um, very specific example. Um, somebody told the whole company, 40 some people, uh, I, I was waiting on a response, an email response from a customer. And I was starting to wonder why they hadn't gotten back to me yet. And I was about to follow up. And I noticed and looked that the email was kind of trapped in the outbox that the initial email that they thought they were waiting for a response on hadn't been sent. It was just sort of a technical glitch. I don't think it was even something they did wrong. It just got stuck in the Gmail um, outbox. And so they shared that story. And like, and there wasn't any great harm that came from that particular email. But uh, the thing I think is great about the Kinexus culture is that that person felt safe sharing that story. And the emphasis was on, okay, well, thank you for sharing that because that's something that could happen to any of us. Um, this tech failure, this customer service, customer interaction failure. Um, thank you for sharing it. We can all keep that in mind. And then the CEO spoke up and said, hey, that, that's happened to me before. You know, don't feel bad. I mean, like this, this and then Greg shared something that he does as sort of a process-based solution to make sure nothing has gotten stuck in his outbox and you shouldn't have to babysit Gmail like that. You know, we're not getting to what you might call a root cause solution, but like just that environment and that tone where it was okay for someone to admit something that had gone wrong. It's sort of celebrated in terms of let, let's share that. Let's all learn from that. If somebody does come up with something closer to a root cause solution, I'm sure that'll be shared. And then maybe that prevents some sort of really bad email related failure in the future. So I, I think, you know, it can be easier to do this maybe in a smaller, younger company. But I think part of the key is that the co-founders, Greg and Matt, are, are really uh, intentional about trying to build a culture that celebrates learning and, and doesn't punish, you know, you know, mistakes are by definition unintended. So why would you punish that? That just, that drives mistakes underground. And then we're not going to be successful. That is so powerful. Right. I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, it reminded me of a story 
of uh, when the transistor radio, I was listening to this, uh, this podcast and uh, this, one of the scientists who worked on the transistor radio, he said, that, look, you know, you know uh, when we were trying to establish this uh, transistor radio back in the 50s, man, he said, we brought in a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we automatically knew that there were going to be mistakes. So they said that, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, telling the, the shortened down dirty of the story, but he basically said that uh, and, uh, because they understood that and they accepted that and they embraced that, they didn't p- penalize failure, right? And he said, because they didn't penalize failure, the folks were able to be able to be more creative, take more risk, you know, not worry about, you know, what's going to happen to us and focus more on the project. And therefore, guess what? The transistor radio, which migrated into a lot of different uh, inventions that we actually have today because of that company's mindset. They, they were okay with embracing that. And, and failure is really about learning, right? You said something really interesting that I talk about a lot. And, uh, you know, people say they're afraid of failure. I've come to believe that people really aren't afraid of failing. What they're afraid of is the stigma associated with the failing, right? And that stigma, you know, in the military, we have a lot of acronyms. I came up with an acronym for that, you know, for, for the word stigma. And it's shameful thoughts I give myself anxiously. Shameful thoughts I give myself anxiously. That's stigma, brother. <laughs> right. Well, I think people fear punishment. I think they fear being treated unfairly. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's a lot of conditioning that people may be, you know, exposed to during, you know, their education years, maybe a little bit of, you know, how, depending on how their parents or family felt about failure. But I mean, we, we can create an organizational culture that focuses on learning. And, and I think sometimes people, I think it's worth challenging, like you were bringing up. I've heard people say things like, you know, uh, that, per- that person made a mistake. Well, we have to punish that. I'm like, well, you don't have to. It's a choice. Think about what happens when you do punish honest human error, or you punish an individual for a systemic problem, people will get better at hiding problems. Or let's say even if you fire someone for you know, being involved in, in, in a mistake, I've heard so many stories about, you know, you fired person A, you bring in a new person, and it's just a matter of time before that person makes the same mistake. That's how is that, how is that good for your business? That, that's right. And, and what you just said, two words came to mind, training and conditioning, right? I mean, so we can train or condition to be okay with the failure and to learn from the failure and to get stronger or to maybe change directions with the failure as opposed to penalizing and punishing because people are going to self-protect no matter what. You know, the will to survive, you know, is incredibly strong, especially when folks believe that, you know, things are not going to necessarily go the way in which they want. So oftentimes companies cost themselves money, lots of money, when they do not make it okay to fail. And, and you and I are not talking about when you make mistakes or when you fail, that we revel in that. We're saying that we learn from that, right? And when we learn from that, that's how everyone, not only individually, but the company gets better also. So we need to really change the focus and the mindset to see, you know, failure as the greatest resource on the planet. You talk to anybody, Mark, you've talked to them. I've talked to them. And I know folks out in the audience have talked to them. And them are those folks who are extremely successful. Every single one will say this. They learned way more from their failures than they ever did from their successes. In fact, I heard Ed Sheeran was talking to uh, a host here. Golly, what's that dude's name? Um, Man, I can't remember. His his name has escaped me now. During During the conversation, Sheeran said this. He said, success teaches you nothing. (laughs) That Howard Stern, God, dog, Howard, don't I want you to come on the show someday, Howard, so you can slap me verbally, brother. But yeah, he was on uh, Howard Stern's podcast, and uh, you know, Howard was like, man, you, you, I mean, you, you could always sing, right? And he said, dude, no, not at all. 
but he says that we have really got to move away from being overly concerned about the successes and worrying about, you know, the failure and learn how to embrace that and learn how to, you know, understand that those folks who have accomplished all these wonderful successes, these folks who have been tried and true and really have learned, you know, from their, their failures as opposed to the successes that people are, are seeing. What are your thoughts on that? I've, I've heard that a lot in uh, the My Favorite Mistake podcast series. I've interviewed a lot of um, CEOs, business founders, athlete, you know, retired pro athletes, like people who are incredibly successful in their domain. And they all have some sort of really impactful story about how a mistake was a really important stepping stone for them, right? That they learned from the mistake. Um, they, they learned to not repeat the mistake. Um, I think the very first guest, um, episode one, um, Kevin Harrington, who is one of the sharks on season one of Shark Tank, he told the story, like he invented, love him or hate him for it, the 30-minute infomercial, like the George Foreman grills, products like that. This is going back a little ways now, but uh, I had a George Foreman grill. And, but Kevin Harrington, even though he and George Foreman made a ton of money off of George Foreman grills, he told, Kevin told the story about a mistake that almost put his company out of business. You know, it, it was involving like one, there was one product. I don't know which product it was. I'm pretty certain it was not George Foreman Grills. They had one product that had a lot of quality problems and there were a lot of customer complaints and there were a lot of refunds being given. Well, the credit card company basically just completely shut off his cash flow to protect against more chargebacks. And, um, you know, he, you know, you know, I think part of the lesson of the Kevin Harrington story is that he managed to make that mistake at a relatively early stage so that he could put things in place to not let that be a catastrophic failure down the road. Like like the absolute scale of the uh, problem was survivable, you know, but I think the great thing about the story is he learned from it. He put things in place. Uh, to make sure that that couldn't happen again. And and his willingness to come and share, like everyone would love to come and talk about their success stories on a podcast, but you know, he, the, the way he and others have the, hum it's like you know this combination of strength and humility. They're humble enough to admit a mistake and they're strong enough to admit a mistake. And, and if anyone thinks like, oh, someone like a Kevin Harrington is successful because he managed to never make mistakes, like that's that's just not true. No, it's not a wonderful story. Look, you know, that reminded me, you know, when look, I retired, again, not bragging. I mean, it's just, it is what it is, brother, right? I came into the Army as, a, as an E-1. I worked my way up through the NCO ranks, went off to Officer Kennedy School and retired as a full bird colonel, right? Well, here's the deal. Uh, when I'm actually out talking to folks and speaking to these people, they, they never talk about me being a private, right? Where it all started. That was the genesis of me coming into the military and learning what I learned as a foundation. They only talk about, you know, oh gosh, he's a retired colonel. Well, I thank God for that. That's great. That's fantastic stuff. A lot of hard work went into that. But the one thing that made me understand the importance of what I became was early on in life, right? Early 20s, I got a grip on this failure issue. And that was the change that actually brought it into being long before I had that. I mean, tons of failures. Look, I failed kindergarten. I failed the first grade. I failed almost every grade thereafter. Barely graduated high school. Failed out of six colleges and universities. Was told I'd never, ever be an officer because of, you know, didn't have the right pedigree. But when I went to basic training, I had a drill sergeant who said to me, hey, look here, son. Uh, you know, you need to get your lip out the dirt, boy. I mean, you know, what is the problem? And just because I'd failed the weapons qualification range twice. And he says, look, son. Failure is not the problem. It's how you respond 
to what happens to you. And that's how I kind of come up with that. And that changed my entire life from the standpoint of how I saw and I viewed and I, you know, related to the to the failure piece. And it put me on a trajectory because failure no longer was oppressive to me. Failure was no longer one of these things where I had to be ashamed. Failure was no one no longer one of these where I allowed for people to tell me that I wasn't good. Because in those failures is where I learned my most important lessons. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're you're doing new things, if you're being innovative, if you're uh, being an entrepreneur, um, I, I can't tell you how many people have been on my show and have said, you know, in that domain, uh, you know, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. You're not pushing the envelope. And and and, and those, you know, the, those those are, you know, the types of situations where again, like I think of, you know, there, there, there are differences where you could think of like, even when I worked for a manufacturing company, there were certain failures that could have really harmed or killed a customer in the automotive industry. There were certain types of failures that could have really harmed, not to be get too gloomy here, but there were certain types of failures that could have harmed or killed an employee and like working in healthcare, similar things, you know, are there, there are similar risks or, or similar situations, but you know, I think there's the difference between, you know, we're innovating with a new type of integrated women's health clinic and we're trying like that's not like the medical care, like you're innovating around the customer service and like there's going to be mistakes made. There's going to be failures, but you better be open to that possibility and and react to them and learn from them in a constructive way. While at the same time, like working really hard to prevent the types of failures, like giving the wrong dose of chemotherapy to a patient. You know, and, and, you know, so there's, there, there are, I think some different um, situations, but, you know, I think when we recognize like, no, nobody's trying to fail, no one's trying to make a mistake like that. That's an incredibly important thing uh, to keep in mind so that we can make, make sure there's learning instead of cover-ups and punishment. Look, I, I, I totally agree with you. Look, I, I totally identify with what you're saying. You're not being morbid, brother. You're just being matter of fact. Look, I grew up as a maintenance officer in the United States military, right? So I understand what, I mean, we've had some accidents and really not good accidents because people made mistakes and it cost them their lives. One of the reasons, uh, I mean, there are several reasons, but one of the reasons that we we train and train and train and practice and practice and practice as much as we do is not because we are fearful of the failure. We know that, you know, people are not perfect and we try to mitigate, you know, any of those accidents that might take place would, would cost people their lives and those kind of things. But, you know, uh, in the process of, of doing so, it's all about, as you keep alluding to, learn learning, learning, learning throughout the process, right? And sometimes there are, are unexpected opportunities that arrive from, from learning and all that training and all of the failures. So were there any unexpected opportunities that arose from uh, failures that uh, led to positive outcomes that you might uh, want to share with us? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think of sometimes like there's, there's like the happy accident or the, there's some sort of mistake that just leads to something good in an unexpected way. You know, so when I think of like when I got out of grad school, uh, 1999, uh, I, I, I made a big change in my life. I took a job um, not too far up the road from you in the, in the Austin area with Dell Computer. Nobody thought that that was a mistake in the year 1999. Like Dell was a very popular, trendy place to go. But, you know, I and, and I met some great people there. I got to do some interesting work. Um, I made some mistakes, though. Like I, I didn't feel comfortable with the culture there in a lot of ways. And and looking back and reflecting, you know, I was young and impatient and and immature, and I didn't handle 
some situations that I was uncomfortable with or some adversity, you know, the 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 best way. And and there, you know, there are some regrets there. Again, like nothing that was to the level of like we're getting fired or getting in trouble, but just that discomfort of feeling like, gosh, you know, this is not really a good fit for me long term. So can I say it was a mistake to take that job? Well, in some ways, but it was it was fixable in that, you know, after about two years, I met some people at a startup software company, the first startup that I've ever worked with. And look, if I hadn't taken that job that would have brought me down to Austin, I wouldn't have met the founders of that startup company. And, you know, even even a career misstep can open other doors, right? And and then I think the most important factor was um, I met my wife because I was working there in Austin. <laughs> so if I hadn't taken that job, if I had gone back to the auto industry or gone to Silicon Valley or something, um, I wouldn't have met my wife and we just had our 22nd anniversary. So that's the thing I'm most thankful for out of that, I guess, mistake of taking that job at, at Dell. <laughs> Look, you know what a wonderful story, and congratulations, by the way, man. That's that's outstanding. On uh, you know, 22 years of going strong, and oftentimes when we fail or when we make a mistake, right, that forces us to make other choices. And when those mistakes or failures, as we have been taught to to look at them instead of opportunities, happen, man, that's not really a failure or a mistake just changing direction in life. Sometimes we need, you know, that motivation uh, to be able to get out of the situation that we're in, that we would otherwise be in or locked in or feel as though, man, I mean, you know, I, wow. And I, I can't tell you how many times, Mark, I've talked to folks who said that they wish they'd have made a change in their lives early on. They, you know, there are two roads less traveled and they chose the ones that they knew the one they should have taken, but they played it safe. And they ended up on that same path that they were on, and they wished that they had actually gone in a, in a different route. So I, I thoroughly agree with what you said, and I can see those unintended uh, opportunities that put you where you are today and on the path, you know, that uh, you are. So that's, that's a beautiful story. I got another question for you, then I'm going to let you get up out of here, man. But, I, you know, being a military-minded person, we always talk about strategies, right? Strategy is huge for us. So i got to ask a strategy question when it comes to failure or, or making mistakes. So, look, what type of strategies or mindset shifts do you employ to help you bounce back and stay resilient when you encounter a failure or a mistake, Mark? Well, so, yeah, when you talk about encountering a mistake, they could be, like, your own mistakes, and I, boy, I make plenty of them, or, you know, you, somebody you work with makes a mistake. So maybe, you know, I touch on um, something I've learned in, in each of those categories. So one thing that I find helpful is just calling out the mistake, like either to myself or to my wife or to a coworker or somebody like, you know, you have something small, like my mistake. Again, like not shaming myself, not expecting to get you know uh, ridiculed or anything. But I think just stating the fact is a fact that I made a mistake, like helps normalize the fact that, look, we all make mistakes all day long and being clueless about them is probably not a good strategy. You know, um, calling it out like this happened earlier. Um, I'm having to cut short my stay at a conference uh, in, in Orlando. And I reached out to somebody in marketing at Kinexus because I thought she had booked the hotel. And could you help make that change? And she wrote back and said, well, no, I think actually you booked the hotel yourself, Mark. She had booked the conference. And, but, you know, she, she wasn't, I mean, she was being so nice and kind. So I think she was kind of demonstrating, like, here's what you can do when someone else makes a mistake. She didn't write back and say, like, hey, stop bothering me, dummy. I'm not your travel assistant. 
You know, she, there was nothing like that at all in the tone or the words that she used. She was kind about it. She said, well, I think you booked that yourself. And my, so I, I just wrote, I wrote back and I said, my mistake. Sorry to bother you with that. I'll go. I'll go um, change the hotel reservation, right? So that was a very, very minor mistake, but she handled it with some grace. And I think just calling out like, my bad, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Like to me, doing that more often, I think is actually healthy. I'm not dwelling on the mistakes. And if it's something important, and I think this is helpful when you're working with somebody else who made a mistake, then looking forward to understanding, well, how can we change the way we work to prevent a repeat of that mistake. Like everything we're doing to look forward, I think keeps our mind from looking backward and dwelling on the mistake. And look, I'm not a psychologist, you know, I'm not trained in all this. I'm just sharing some of my life and work experiences here. So I think the two tips are, if you make a mistake, admit it. Hopefully you work with people then who are being supportive and gracious. And, you know, I think the one other thing I'll share is when, when someone else makes a mistake, like my engineer brain wants to very quickly go into problem solving mode and ask, why did that happen? How could that have occurred? Like being very rational. And, and, and I had some, you know, there was um, an interaction with someone a year and a half ago that really taught me a lot and like the need. So I was starting to jump into, you know, all of that. And then I realized like, well, the person who I don't even want to say made the mistake because that sounds really blaming. Like they were involved in a mistake. Like they felt really bad about that. And I needed to give them a little bit of space to kind of recover. And I've so I've learned, I think, a very important question. And I'll, look, be careful when an engineer starts talking about feelings. But I think you know, before you jump into why could that have occurred, it's important to ask, how are you feeling? How are you doing? You know, do you need a little space? And like, okay, hey, I know you feel bad. Um, Let's let's get back together in an hour or whatever the right amount of time is to then go into root cause analysis and process improvement mode. But you know, I tried to show great and be kind to others because, again, they feel bad, like any sort of punishment or yelling or anything would have just made them feel worse. It wouldn't have helped the situation at all. You know what, you boy, you that's powerful. I mean, you, I got a couple of things I've got to talk to you about and follow up with you on, but uh, I'm gonna start off with this here. Is that who was, I believe it was Plato said, uh, always be kind for anyone you meet is fighting a harder battle, right? Always be kind because anyone you meet is fighting a harder battle. I think that is incredibly important that uh, you bring up, especially when people fail. I think it's absolutely important to make it safe for people to fail. I mean, man, people, I tell you, they leave money on the table when they don't do that sort of thing. And and most people are trying to do the right thing. One of the things I've learned throughout my, my entire life, specifically my military career, is that most of the people who did not um, uh, make the right choices, at the time they made the choice, they were trying to make the best choice that they could given the situation and the circumstances and the resources they had at that given time. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't one of these where they were intentionally trying to trying to fail. They made the best choice based upon what they knew, man. Yes, absolutely. And 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 I love the way you say that. I've I've said and written and you know that same thing. But um, quick story from guest number two, um, from episode two of my favorite mistake. Uh, lives in San Antonio. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Will Hurd, who was a, a member of Congress. Oh, yeah, oh, dude. You, anybody who follows politics, you know who Will Hurd is. And if you're from San Antonio, you certainly know. So, of course, so, uh, I, yeah, I should have assumed you know who he was, but I try not to assume things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 it might be I, a mistake. I'm glad sir. you know who Will Hurd is. But he told the story in the, in the podcast. So he lost his first primary runoff 
um, the first time he ever ran for Congress. He got the most votes, but he didn't get 50%. So in Texas, that goes to a runoff. And he didn't listen to his consultants. They said, a, a runoff's different. You need to do a different strategy. And Will said, no, well, no, I'm going to keep doing the same thing that got me the most votes the first time. And he lost. So he admitted the mistake of not listening to the experts that he had hired. And he, he, the next time he ran four years later, he listened to them and he followed their strategy and he did win the runoff, you know, but the, the thing that he said though, in that episode that will always stick with me, he said, to your point though, of your story, George, he said, well, if I'd known it was a mistake, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Which is kind of like a Yogi Berra-ism, right? But it was so honest and heartfelt and authentic. I'm like, of course, like you said, George, Will was making what he thought was the right decision. But then time and the and the voting results showed him that he had indeed made a mistake. But he bounced back. And that's what's so key about that, right? Yeah, I love Yogi Berra, man. I mean, what was it? one of the quotes he says that something along the lines of, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up in the wrong place, right? <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, I'll, I'll, or paraphrasing, um, no one listens to this podcast anymore because it's too popular. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 same is 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 true. And I love you know uh, what you just did because you know when I talk about making failure fun, this is what we're talking about here at this company. We're trying to make sure that folks are able to laugh and learn. And uh, you know, at the same time, when it comes to the failures, don't take them so seriously. And I really admire what Will Hurd did. You know, because in telling of his story that second time around, is that he took one hundred percent responsibility for his own life. And when we have failures and mistakes, it's important to do that. I'm telling you, blaming other folks and, you know, for your life and for the things that happen to you. And I know that there are unintended consequences sometimes and, and people failures impact us. But even then, when that actually takes place, we can still take 100% responsibility for our lives. And I really am convinced, as you said earlier, grace needs to be given when we fail or make mistakes, Mark. I mean... Uh, I never, ever punished or penalized soldiers who made an honest mistake or an honest failure. You know, I, I just did not because they're all human at the end of the day. And I would always bring someone in and, and I said, look here, soldier, here's where this works now. I'm going to give you one shot, one shot to tell me the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Now, I've been where you are. Right. So do not try to BS me. And if they were honest with me. Right. And I thought, you know what? That kind of makes sense to me. As long as I didn't get somebody hurt, killed or long. I mean, then I understood. I didn't penalize them. They may have got a little extra duty and that sort of stuff, but not take money away from them, not take rank away from them because they made an honest mistake and grace needs to be given. I'm not saying that, you know, every time somebody does something, I mean, at some point you're going to hold those folks responsible for their lives as we all need to be responsible for our lives, but there still needs to be a bit of grace when it comes uh, to failures and mistakes, Mark, I believe. Well, look here, this has been fantastic. Huh? Well, in my world, that's failure-tastic, right? Man, I am so honored to actually have uh, to have had you on the show. So what I'm going to do here before we close out, Mark, I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your books, how folks can uh, get a hold of you if they want to work with you and all that, and just some parting words, if you would, sir. Well, thank you, George. I'm, I'm totally honored to be here as your guest. I really appreciate that, and I can't wait to interview you, and I'm glad I don't have to wait very long. So people can um, come here. I guess in a way, it'll be part two of our discussion on the My Favorite Mistake podcast where George is going to be joining me. Uh, people can find that podcast wherever they are listening to failure is not the problem. You can go to mistakespodcast.com to learn more on the website. 
And my book, which is you know kind of a, a offshoot inspired by the podcast, the book is called The Mistakes That Make Us, Cultivating a Culture of Learning and Innovation. Uh, people can go to mistakesbook.com. Uh, if they're curious about the book and they think, well, it might be a mistake to buy it, they can download a free chapter to kind of mitigate that risk. Then go to mistakesbook.com slash chapter. So th those are the things I hope people would check out. Um, if they love your podcast and your book, George, I, I hope they would also like mine. I'm sure they will, sir. Look here, Mark, thank you so much again. Your book. Sorry, my mistake. <laughs> See, that's what it's about, though, right? And he laughed at the end of that, folks. Y'all see that? Did you catch it? <laughs> don't, don't edit that out. You don't have to edit that out. Oh, we won't. No, 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 no. That needs to remain there. We we, we don't, uh, you know, in the military, we, we were spitting polish. Here on this podcast, we're not spitting polish. We take all failures and mistakes for what they are and get better from it, sir. And um, I, I'm really honored to have actually had you on the show. Looking forward to the division with you on yours as well, Mark. And uh, I know this is going to be one of those uh, you know, segments where folks are going like, dude, you know, who is this guy? How in the world? Where'd you find him? And I'm just so honored that uh, that you reached out and we're able to have a conversation that we need to be having on this planet. And uh, I can tell you, brother, you and I are on a path to make some serious changes. I feel it. I know it. it's coming. And uh, you stay in there. Uh, you continue to fight. I'm right there alongside with the battle. And we're going to make sure that this actually gets done. But um, uh, again, want to thank you for, for coming on the show. Uh, an honor to do so. And looking forward to vision with you soon. Hey, folks, if uh, you guys want to um, reach out to me, you can go ahead and go to my website, uh, www.georgeamilton.com. Uh, reach me at my email address, george at georgeamilton.com. And if you really want to learn how to deal with success and you know learn some great lessons from this uh, particular word, you can reach out on Amazon and grab my first book, Failure is Not the Problem, it's the Beginning of Your Success. That book has a book, a workbook, and a journal. It teaches you how to really take and dissect this one word and go from changing that mindset from a negative expectation to positive experiences. And the second book that followed up is Failure is Not the Problem, It's Your Leadership. Again, folks, we've had the incomparable Mark Freeman on the show today. I'm really excited and thankful, Mark, for you coming on, brother. And all the best to you until next time. Thank you, George. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Failure is Not the Problem podcast. If you enjoy what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at georgeamilton.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the other side.